Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey, and through mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. This is your host, Chris Panaski, and uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I've been just um, getting out a little bit, uh, got into the physiotherapist, made some adjustments to the bike. It's part of the, the price you pay when you get it done. And um, getting ready to to take on another big bike packing loop called the Log Drivers Waltz. It's an 800 kilometer bike packing route through the national capital region of Canada. So that's pretty fun. You're always kind of within, uh, within a stone's throw of Ottawa. And today's interview also happens to be the developers, creators, the adventurers, the, uh, the couple that have put their blood, sweat and tears into the development of this route. So super excited. Um, it was a great interview and, I'm really happy to get it released just before I go to actually ride their route. If uh, you like the podcast, guys, I feel like I'm begging all the time and it sucks. But if you do like the podcast, you can support it with just a small amount, like a dollar or three or five per month over patreon.com front slash bike tour adventures. It doesn't cost a lot, but Definitely goes a long ways to helping out with the podcast, especially with some of the monthly fees that come up and annual fees and all those things. And if you do sign up, I also have new stickers of the Bike to Adventures podcast that I will send your way. If financial help is out of your means at the moment and it's not something you can swing, I totally get it. I uh, would really appreciate, though, if you could just go onto whatever podcast app you're using and, and write a review. Kind of helps to, to bump me up in the... Uh, the charts, I guess, is the word, and uh, get a little bit more exposure, get more people listening, and to share all the amazing stories of the people I talk to. So that'd be really, really sweet. If a monthly thing is not working for you and it's not something you, you can commit to, and once again, totally get it, 
You can also help out through PayPal. So I've made a PayPal for Bike Tour Adventures. Uh, it's paypal.me slash bike tour adventures. And the last thing I'd like to do is to thank my sponsors, which are Opus Bikes, Redshift Sports, and Seven Mesh Clothing. Here's something else. Redshift Sports has been so happy with the content coming out in the, the podcast and all that stuff and been really, really helpful. And they've even offered to give a promo code. So if you use the promo code BTA, obviously that stands for Bike Tour Adventures, BTA15, you'll get 15% off at checkout, which uh, in Canada is like all your taxes. So that's sweet. Saves you a bunch of money. 15%, BTA15, go for it. Use it. There you go, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Um, hope if you like their gear that you support them. They're a tiny little company. They're not a huge mega corporation. And um, yeah, making good kit, good gear, especially if you're into bikepacking, touring, racing, road biking. It's, it's kind of like everything. So check it out. Talk to you later. In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I have the chance to speak with Eric Betteridge and Jen Adams. Hailing from the Ottawa Capital Region, Eric and Jen have been bikepacking and adventuring all over the globe since at least the 1980s. More recently, they have created an 800-kilometer bikepacking route that encircles the city of Ottawa and takes their riders through many historic areas that predate Confederation. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Log Drivers Waltz, something that they've been putting together over the past couple of years, is now live, shared, and rideable. So, Eric, Jen, welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Thanks, Chris. Yes, nice to be here. Why don't we just start with you guys telling us about yourselves? Want to go first? Well, sure. Um, I'm from Ottawa, grew, grew up here and um, have lived in other places and returned to, to live in Ottawa, which is a, just a, a wonderful place to live. I come from a very active, adventurous family and had the opportunity as a kid to do all kinds of really wonderful uh, family outings and big, big family trips. My my uh, parents put a lot of emphasis on on family trips, and we did some great uh, trips in Canada. A lot of almost all of our what's trips. Your, were in, what's your What's your earliest Canada. memory of a a great Canadian trip? Well, we we did a seventeen day canoe trip in Algonquin Park. I have three brothers, and I think my brother was. He was either four or five years old, and uh, so we were four or six. Uh, I was about 10, and my older brother was 12. So uh, we had, I remember, 40 pounds of bannock when we packed up the canoes and, and put the canoes on the, on the uh, train to go across Algonquin Park and you know, cross, cross the park by canoe mm-hmm. to return back to where our car was. That's back in the days when there were trains going there. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, every, every summer after that, our adventures just, uh, they, they went far and wide hiking the West Coast Trail. The, the warden didn't want to let us uh, hike the West Coast Trail because my little brother was too young. <laughs> oh, wow. Where does the West Coast Trail go from and to? Oh, it uh, it goes on the 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 far west side of Vancouver Island. Oh, okay, um, that is where it is. From Pacific Rim National Park. Okay. Um, and it 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 was extremely rugged. It is 
uh, still rugged, but uh, not quite as rugged as it was uh, three decades ago or whatever <laughs> when we did it. Amazing. And how about you, Rick? Or Eric, sorry. <laughs> I'm still stuck on that email name. <laughs> that actually came from uh, came from our daughter, who will not call me dad. So she started to call me Rick. Um, and then all her friends thought my name was Rick. And then you became Rick. So, <laughs> um, um, well, I grew up here in Ottawa as well, but uh, I immigrated here with my parents in, in 1967. When I was six. And my dad had uh, lived in Canada for a couple of years when he was studying. My mom is Canadian. That's where they met. And they went back to England and when an opportunity came back, came to come back, uh, my dad took it because he found England a little small after being in Canada. Mm -hmm. And there was opportunity here. And he embraced canoeing and cross-country skiing and all those great things. Not cycling because he hated cycling because he had to commute on a cycle, like a cycle commute when he was growing up in England and it was wet and cold. And he, he does, he does, he did end up cycling later, but... Uh, anyway, yeah, so grew up here, um, really consider, I mean, it is my home, and uh, uh, I feel really fortunate. I think uh, I, I've got a, a surrogate family and Jen's family, like all the attachments to uh, uh, to the Pontiac and uh, Renfrew County, mm -hmm. and uh, actually did a lot of trips with Jen's family when we were teenagers. And uh, yeah. was your family quite adventurous as well, Eric? Well, yeah, I mean, my... Um, yes. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the year after I graduated, well, the year of summer I graduated from high school, my dad took me down the, uh, Coppermine river up in Northwest territories rather than he said, you, you can, uh, you can work for the rest of your life, but I think, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on a canoe trip. My dad did lots of, uh, uh he hiked in Iowa park just before it was opened. And he, uh, did a lot of Northern canoe trips and, uh, taught me skiing um and i think uh probably instilled that kind of uh um you know maybe this isn't pleasant right now kind of attitude but you're going to enjoy it later or you're going to look back on it with fond memories mm -hmm. and i think i think that that's uh made so many things possible mm -hmm. uh, just like sometimes you just have to tough it out or <laughs> yeah, yeah your ability to overcome and just carry on right yeah yeah uh and and my parents uh certainly had a had had similar attitude that um uh, some hardship was was a good thing and uh i know that my mother's mother could never understand our family trips um <laughs> Because it, for her, it was just punishment. But <laughs> uh, we, you know, to go hiking in Grossmorn Park and, and uh, you know, be, uh, you know, carrying mm -hmm. all our food and, and yeah. uh, being wet and <laughs> hiking in the mountains to her, like she could not imagine that that would be a pleasure. But uh, um, we, we grew up with these really uh, challenging trips. And, you know, we skied in the Canadian ski marathon as, as young, young kids. And I absolutely loved it. My brother doesn't 
ski much anymore because he he, he kind of I think got skied out as a as a very young kid. But mm. for me, I I just I love uh, I love that long distance uh, mm-hmm. long distance being out uh, out in the wilderness and out on 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 the trail for extended periods of time. And and a lot of that comes from uh, great experiences as a kid. Well, what we didn't realize is that it was all just a big precursor to like bike packing. Like everything was yeah. leading to bike packing. And how did that come to be? Can you tell us about some of your earlier bike touring experiences or bike packing experiences? And yeah. how do you classify what? Uh, what is your what is your idea of touring versus packing? That's a really good question. I would say that um there are so many definitions. I would prefer more like the most inclusive definition of if you are touring on a bike or bike packing on a bike, you're traveling on a bike. I mean, it's very, very difficult to like, I don't know, draw lines between, mm-hmm. oh, you're bike packing because you're using a seat pack, not a pannier, you know, because there are people that bike pack with panniers. Jen has panniers. I have a seat bag. Yep. She just can't put a seat bag on because it's too small. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, like a long time ago, so in the in the eighties, I I did I did some stuff that I'm sure was bike packing uh, with a mountain bike with had low riders on the front and uh, rack and panniers in the back and a, another pack just strapped on. And uh, that was definitely like right now I would consider it like to be pretty hard. We went down this track in uh, New Zealand called the Heafy Track. And it takes like four days to walk it. And it took us okay. four days to ride it. It was wow. suspension bridges and, uh, you know, fording streams. And so <laughs> like pres- all, it was, it was, that was definitely bikepacking they actually what's really interesting is they just opened it up to mountain biking about a year and a half ago or two years ago big hoopla so it's like hmm we did it in 1986 but nobody knows did you do um, it on a mountain bike back then or was it a mountain bike yeah. that was um with bags attached type thing yeah i um i, I actually was uh i toured across canada with uh, with my friend eric we left from banff and went to edmonton and then came all the way over to uh um Guelph mm-hmm. and then spent a few months here in southern Ontario and then went to uh, New Zealand and Australia okay. and we just used uh in those days you couldn't buy it was very difficult to buy like a heavy duty touring bike there was the Miata 1000 and that was about it so mm-hmm. we used Fisher Montaris like the one of the first production Fisher bikes we put drop bars on them did you okay uh, you know like Brody of Brody bikes yeah. like the actual Brody because um, we were working in a bike shop, we phoned them up from Banff and said, we need uh, we need um, custom handlebar stems to fit Chinelli bars because we decided we wanted Chinelli bars because they were bigger. So he made us these, uh, he hand-welded and raised us these uh, these stems. I've, I've kept the stem. Good for you. I still have the bike too. <laughs> I'll never, like that bike has so many kilometers on it, I can never get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So that adventure through New Zealand, I'd say mostly off-road or kind of exclusively off-road? It was, um, a lot of it was. I mean, we we purposely put mountain bike tires back on. We used pretty skinny tires going across Canada because it was all pavement. 
Yeah, we we did things like ride across sheep stations and uh, okay. Um, there's a lot of public right of way. It's like England, so the public right of way is across private land. So as long as you close the gate behind you, you can uh, you can go anywhere. I quite like that. <laughs> Sweden was like that, but I mean, it's just right of access everywhere. And uh, when you're going through farmlands, they would have these. It wasn't a gate, but it was a it was a ramp made of logs, so an, a cow couldn't climb it or a horse couldn't climb it. And you just walk up and down it. So pretty easy with a bike. You just throw your bike on your shoulder, go off about five rungs of this log, logs, and then go down the other side and carry on. Right. Yeah, fantastic. The style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are common in England too. Oh, they're style. The are they called styles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew the word. I didn't know what they were. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> they are in England. Probably not in Swedish. I bet Swedish people don't call styles styles. Probably not. How did you guys navigate New Zealand? Uh, I mean, this is well before the days of GPS. And um, I I presume that typical maps might not have had these trails on them. So how did you guys manage this? Serendipitously, we we went to this campground after we got off the plane. And we met these two people that were finishing their two or three months traveling around New Zealand. I don't know how. I can even remember them. I don't remember how they were traveling. And they said... We have topo maps that cover all of New Zealand. Do you want them? Oh. (laughs) We went, yeah. Nice. Still have those topo maps downstairs. But um, uh, with all the campsites marked on them and everything, if you want to go and follow our trip. But um, the, um, yeah, I mean, topo maps have been, well, Jen and I, our bread and butter for for years and years and years. Like, uh, that's typically how we've navigated um, until we started doing this bikepacking okay. thing, which was the route thing. Yeah. Not the, We're going to talk about that later. I'll save that for later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I, had to do, I did have a quick question because in the notes you sent me, you said you used Jim Blackburn Lowrider Racks. Now, is that the same Blackburn that is the company Blackburn today that makes bike yeah. stuff? It is, right? Yeah. So they yeah. just changed the name from Jim Blackburn to just Blackburn, right? So, well, Jim Blackburn started the company. Okay. And um, see, you have to realize a little bit, I'm pretty old. I was thinking about how old I was. Like, uh, I got the first production bike that Rocky Mountain ever made in 1985, Rocky Mountain Sherpa. Okay. I have one of those. My, my dad has it now. But, I, you know, um, people like not Tom Ritchie, but um, – People like that used to call our shop because it was so small in those days. Mm-hmm. If you ordered a custom frame, you talked to, um, you know, Joe Murray or whoever was building it. Wow. Okay. Like, it was a, anyway, so Jim Blackburn was, um, I mean, he, he started making these things and I guess he just stuck his name on them. And so, yeah, they became, it became Blackburn. It's probably owned by Trek or something. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, uh- inadvertently sponsored by Blackburn through the distributor for Blackburn here in Canada. So I, uh, right. I got, well, a good price on this stuff. I don't get it for free, but yeah, generally, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for, um, for the, uh, the real McCoy. Um, though, and, and they were super good to us too. I mean, we broke them. Like they just, they broke and, Wore out. I mean, they just they jiggled around so much the mm-hmm. metal fatigue, and they would just the, some of the stays would just snap, and um, they replaced them for us. Yeah, you know, um, and that's that's after touring like you know 
10,000 kilometers. Brutalizing the gear. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I actually wanted to ask Jen uh, about her early bike tour from Vancouver to San Francisco, because I think that might be one of your earlier tours as well, right? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't so much off road. I did have a, a mountain bike um, and I was uh, very well equipped to. Um, to, to camp and, and, uh, travel by bike. For me, it was a means of transportation. Mm -hmm. I was beginning, uh, uh, an adventure where I, I wanted to go to Asia and that was part of my way to get there. (laughs) So I, I, uh, I drove across Canada and then I, uh, I delivered a car to Vancouver and carried my bike there with this car that I delivered. And then I rode down the West coast, uh, to San Francisco where I, um, then I, I shipped my bike home and I flew, uh, I flew to Hong Kong, um, to begin, a, a couple of years of travel and living in, in Asia. So it was a, it was a means of transportation, but it was a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful way of traveling mm-hmm. um traveling and and really feeling my freedom of uh, being being off on this adventure i you know thought a lot about uh this travel and um it, it was a it was a, just a great way of of traveling so the bike is a, me, a means of transportation and um uh, when you can carry everything on it uh, so efficiently, it's a mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a marvelous machine. Yeah, I kind of wonder what it would have been like going down the the West Coast in that time, the late eighties. It's not, you know, it's kind of like the last refuge of the free spirited American and that whole West Coast, Washington, Port, uh, Oregon, and Cal- California. So I kind of imagine how uh, awesome it must have been. I uh, it really was a fantastic time. It was just ex extraordinarily beautiful and uh it was in the fall and um i i remember just meeting very friendly people along the way and um being able to camp in very easily camp in places along the way and um it was it was it was a a fantastic uh fantastic trip okay and have you guys ever done any bike touring in like the traditional sense of the word, like four panniers on road? Has that been a thing or has it always been kind of this yeah, off-roadish, I, I mean, more adventurous style? I had a chance um, uh, to go. I, I, I spent my summers uh, canoeing. I, I uh, guided canoe trips and <clears throat> one summer um, I had a chance to just at the, uh, I think it was maybe after my, uh, undergraduate degree, I, I went and, um, I, I, I went to Europe with my parents and did a bike tour with oh, my mom and nice. dad. And we brought our, our bikes and, uh, uh, full four panniers and like low riders and, uh, uh, bike panniers that that I made uh, for all of us. I, mean, I got the sewing machine out and went into production and made all these like six 
know, a lot, a lot of bags. Nice. I'm <laughs> mentally putting together my, my list of things I need you to make me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we, uh, we bike toured through, uh, uh, through Holland and France and Germany. And it was, it was a marvelous trip with my, with my parents. Okay. And oh, go ahead, Eric. I was just going to say, my trip across Canada really was bike touring. It was, Again, yeah. It was, yeah, that, that was, uh, we were on the road, you know, riding down to Trans-Canada. At, when we got into Ontario, we had to. There was no choice. Yeah, and a lot of, um, a lot of the prairies, too, is pretty limited. Um, oh, maybe well, not. the prairies were awesome. No, we, we, were, we went on, um, there's the Yellowhead route, which we didn't take. Yeah, I took the Yellowhead this last year, yeah. We took the 14. Okay. So the 16 is the yellowhead. We mm-hmm. took the 14. It's it parallels it, and it was so quiet. It was incredible, and it was really good uh, surface and wide shoulders. Okay. And uh, yeah, we were we some somebody told us. I think it was my godmother who used to live in Edmonton, and I think she said, "Don't go on the yellowhead. Take number 14." And she was a she was from Saskatchewan. Okay. So she. Knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the yellowhead. It was nice. It was uh, it was good. It was yeah. fast. I mean, there, I could have I could have definitely spent more time zigzagging around and going and checking out things. But I was man on a mission last year, and so I, yeah. I only spent uh, ooh. well from Whitehorse to Winnipeg. I think it was thirteen days, so that was pretty quick. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't drive it that fast. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> So at some point in the game, you guys uh, had kids and continued touring as a family, I believe. At what age did you guys carry on with uh, bike touring as a family? Was it something right from the start or did it take a few years? Gosh. when As soon as they were off trailer bikes and could sit on a tandem. Yeah. They they had to be long enough. Their legs had to be long enough to reach the bottom of 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 the pedal stroke of a tandem. We okay. did get a really small tandem, Jen. Yeah, Jen had a, had a small, small, extra small tandem. <laughs> small in the front and small in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, now they make some really cool things. Like I think Hay Spikes out of Germany makes the ones with the recumbent mm-hmm. in the front that can be rate adjusted for kids. Mm-hmm. And oh, so yeah. the kids are like a recumbent layback position. If they don't feel like pedaling, they could just read, color a book, or whatever. Yeah. Right? And yeah, some really. Yeah, neat. and you you can do all kinds of things to you can. Put a second mm-hmm. set of pedals. Uh, yeah, now there's some really, really cool modifications. Yeah, you get them really small, but we we just uh, so they were probably I, I'm I'm guessing um, probably eight and ten by the time we were riding tandems. Okay, right? and and we would we have we have one sort of bob trailer, and then we have another. Uh, um, cannibalized uh um kids trailer okay we took all the stuff off the top and we just put like a 80 liter tote on top of it (laughs) just threw stuff in there (laughs) oh nice and how did the touring as a family change the dynamic of the adventure tandem uh riding was was so much fun with the kids um especially on the rail trails where we could we could be the two tandems side by side mm-hmm. and we'd be just motoring along. It was like all four of us all, all very close together. And so we could chat and um, 
with you, you can always chat front to back, but uh, we could chat front to back, and the, the kids would uh, um, be, you know, playing, you know, doing whatever doing crazy do. antics <laughs> yeah, in <yeah>. the back. <laughs> um, but they, uh, you know, we couldn't we couldn't go huge days, but but they could go a long piece, uh, mm -hmm. pr pretty long piece, and. Um, we always, we, we loved, uh, they, they enjoyed the, the stops and, um, <laughs> <laughs> eating and camping. And, uh, we, we picked areas that were, uh, had lots of variety and, and, uh, fun things, fun things for everybody to, to look forward to mm -hmm. and, um, and enjoy the bike ride from place to place. I think it was also then that we started to look for quieter secondary uh, roads, which often turned into gravel. Right. So we would often, that, that was definitely uh, like very strong memories of, of riding um, up farm roads and that sort of thing in, in Pontiac. Just for that to, ability uh, to have side by side, right? Just, it's like one nicer thing too. Yeah, and, and just away from the car. Away yeah. from the cars. Like we, yes. I think we were very aware that we had our kids. Like okay. our, our, our future was like yeah. with us. <laughs> it's like not so much fun when you're, when you're worrying about the traffic and it's way more relaxed when, when you're um, away from the cars. Mm -hmm. And are your kids big cyclists still to this day? Yeah, they both love it. <laughs> I say they both put us to shame. Like, you know, um, when 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 they're when they're uh, when they're yeah, when they're uh, in shape and, and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Is, isn't that the thing? Is like you know you've succeeded when your children have outgrown or something and made you look. I don't know. <laughs> well, we we've succeeded that they 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 both uh, they both love to cycle. That's and good. So it's yeah. Uh, that's that's the goal. success. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that uh, it was it was kind of interesting because I I think that pat, pedaling on the tandem they got an idea of cadence and 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 so on at uh, a pretty early age and, and ingrained. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. Yeah, there's some some really marvelous parental moments um, when we were riding to Montreal. Uh, uh, quite a few years ago and our son um, joined us for this, this ride. We've done it many times to go and watch, uh, watch the um, uh, international race in Montreal. So we ride down to Montreal and, and um, our son joined us for that ride. And um, we were, we were riding along and, and he just, he was, he got into a groove and he was feeling he was feeling really good and he just went out front and he sat out front and he, he was at riding at like 40 kilometers an hour and just steady, just, just flying along. <laughs> and uh, the group of us just tucked in and, and we were all just, I, I was right behind him and just, it just totally enjoying yeah. um, seeing him, uh, ride and and and, uh, and and ride so powerfully that he was dropping people off the back of the group. Yeah, nice. 
<laughs> I used to love that in Malaysia because we'd have huge groups for rides. Like the club rides there were huge. You'd sit 70, 80 people. And, you know, it was just amazing at how fast you could go as a group down a motorway, like a highway. Uh, yeah. Because in, in Malaysia, you could ride on the highways. And we'd have like a double wide peloton. And, oh, man, we'd be going 40, 45 kilometers an hour sometimes for 30, 40 minutes. Just everybody sucking along, you know. It's, Mm. And you had pro riders in the front, guys who who raced for Team Malaysia or like um, like some serious, serious riders. So they were just these guys with legs like tree trunks and just pulling everybody. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. It's always good to have those people along. Yeah, they're always good to know. Um, wanted to ask you, what what are um, – before we move on to talking more about the uh, deeper into bikepacking, I just want to have an idea of what kind of – or what are some of the bikes that you have used for touring over the years? I, from your earliest tour, I think you guys did something to Vermont, to, uh, you, well, you said your New Zealand trip bike. And what else did you guys use? What else have you used? Well, I, I, our, our, our most, like, just before the pandemic, mm-hmm. we actually went to uh, went to Spain. We, we landed in Barcelona and we rode up into the Pyrenees. Nice. On uh, hybrids. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, with flat pedals. And uh, 25 liter packs, like, you know, strapped to the rack and, uh, a, a, you know, a handlebar roll. So that was like that, our latest, our latest bikes were, were these just hybrids, like $400 hybrids. Um, and did you buy them or rent we them? To, we, we bought them um, and took them with us, but we didn't want to be worrying about our bikes. Mm. And we thought we were going to do more hiking than we ended up doing, but um but that was part of it. And, you know, like staying in some places, you weren't sure where you were going to be leaving them and all that. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, I mean, it, that, that was, that was a bike, um, mountain bikes typically like I, I still, um, yeah, it's yeah, mostly and, mountain and, bike. and, and early on it was, um, your, you know, your standard road bike with, uh, with panniers and racks. Yeah. The um, other the other thing is um, our cross bikes. Like that once. Um, so at a, at a certain point, you could buy a cross bike. Like you know when when they became production bikes, and you could buy them. And so we had uh, uh, cross bikes that we used for for touring, and um, and and that was. I think that's what we did most of our like. I would say exploration of the okay. Ottawa Valley. Yeah. So like a year. cycle cross bike modified slightly to, to just be more comfortable. Well, mm. The modification not, not was like that we put 28 C tires on them and then okay. rolled them everywhere. thinking that that was a big tire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and just put, um, like I, I could put a little rack, a small rack on, on my, on my bike. And Eric was able to, uh, Eric put a, a seat bag yeah. on his. Well, I kind of feel like that that's, that's the gravel bike. Now the gravel bike is basically a cross bike. That's just got a little bit different components. So it's more comfortable yeah. riding on gravel in, in a non-race condition. Right. So yeah, we yeah. don't, we yeah. don't have gravel bikes because we have our cross, cross bike. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean. ride so- <laughs> cycle cross every fall. So. Oh yeah. With the, uh, with the yeah, race Ottawa series here, has, the Ottawa race series. Ottawa has, uh, one of the best it, it, best cyclocross race series in the country. Mm-hmm. It it uh, when we we started racing in the 
Um, I, I would say about 1995. Okay. And, and there were just like, there were 30 people racing then, but it grew to over 300. Oh, wow. Um, and, and just a fantastically inclusive, super fun, um, high level racing. Um, every, every, uh, every Sunday for 10, 10 weeks, every fall. Yeah, I met so, a guy in the Gatineau Park one day, and he said he was training for the races. I was a buddy a year and a half ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah so it didn't yeah. happen last year. No, but but I mean that's a that's a, that's an that's an an incredible group of, uh, of of riders, and a lot of them right now are out riding out in the gravel. So you will you will you will you will find them out there. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's talk bikepacking. The first time you guys went on a tour and left the planning to someone else, aka a GPS and following a route. And I believe that was the uh, BT 700, right? Or parts of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that go? How did that come to be? I came to be because we were, I was busting to do a canoe trip. We, um, we, I, I just uh, really, really wanted to do, uh, a canoe trip. Um, it was a couple summers ago. We we do a canoe trip every every summer, at least one. Um, but it was re- it was a particularly buggy uh, July, and and we had uh, my time booked off from work, and um, and it was really buggy. And we don't plan ahead a whole lot. Uh, often our our uh, our, Don't say that. Our trips are <laughs> our trips are not necessarily uh, planned months and months in advance. I'm going to so use was, that as a soundbite right at the start. <laughs> <laughs> it was the the week before, um, and and I was you know looking at the maps and and uh, figuring out where where I you know figured we could go for a canoe trip, and. Eric had seen this article about the Butter Tart 700, and um, I, I don't know whether he passed me the article, but I um, he had talked about it, mentioned it, and planted the seed with me. And um, I, I I read this article, and um, this was the week before we left, and it just it really fit. Uh, fit the bill for uh our 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 summer trip we Uh, figured it would be less buggy it was gonna be less buggy (laughs) (laughs) which sounds really wimpy but uh it it was a horrendous year we 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 knew that because we'd actually gone up for a weekend bike trip up uh towards um lac poisson blanc and uh, stayed up there and it was just like what year was this we flew from the north and everywhere and this was like no, this is like Breathe. not going to be fun. We're breathing, Bre- breathing in uh, bugs. Nasty. So I guess the the article um, really caught our our imagination as um, uh, as an adventure. Um, you know, I, for me, a, a canoe trip is is really getting away. Uh, it's it changes your head. It gets you into the wilderness and um, really gives you that that wonderful change of perspective mm-hmm. and. What the what this article uh, uh, described as a as a as a a route a trip that we could do uh, really sounded fun. So it was like the bicycle version of a canoe trip. 
Yeah, it 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 was. Yeah. yeah. So so we uh we we got more information about it and and I um I got a I got a map of Ontario and I started um plugging out where we could stay and we did credit card camping for that trip. We okay. um uh figured how long uh a day we would ride how how far we ride in a day and so we we mapped out a, a week-long trip and um sort of we didn't have all of our accommodation figured out but for the first couple days we did mm-hmm. along the route and then um and then we went from there it was um staying in in bed and breakfasts and okay. uh, inns and uh motels nice and what was it like to not really worry? Uh, and you had a GPS device, I assume. And so what was it like to not have well, to worry about the, the planning? A little, so little bit of a story on that. Okay, never, had, never used a GPS before. And um, so our friend Bill lent us the GPS. I mean, he loaded the route on it for us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we, uh, um, my parents live in Guelph, so they weren't around, but we went and stayed somewhere in Guelph, and then we rode to the route. We picked up the route at the Kissing Bridge. And so we got to the Kissing Bridge, I knew that we were on the route, so then I turned on the GPS. So that's the first time I turned a GPS on in my life was like at the Kissing Bridge to ride, follow it for 800K or 700K. So we rode around circles around the Kissing Bridge and then it says route found. So that was good. So after that, we just followed the route. And uh, and, and that was, um, that was a, totally bizarre experience uh because we're so used to like okay we have a map we have a route we know where we're going to go you know we're stopping at an intersection or you know we we plan out the next mm-hmm. few turns or whatever it's just just you're following this little line and it was a really weird experience and it was also really fun because we didn't have to do any thinking it, it <laughs> was it was a totally novel experience to be riding along and and right soon after we joined onto the route, we were riding along and we we rode along and, and there was this a dirt road and there was uh, a, a young woman uh, dressed in, in Mennonite clothing she, all by herself standing on this corner in, in the countryside and the route said to go into the bushes right beside right beside her (laughs) and so we we followed this device as it was telling us to go into the bush and in fact there was a trail right right that we couldn't see but the the device told us it was there and uh this woman looked at us in with as much sort of confusion as we looked at at her, I think, <laughs> and and we rode into the bush and and got onto this trail. It was it was very gnarly, rooty single track, okay. which, uh, which um, was a little bit difficult. With we had thirty five C tires and okay. load and stuff, and it was thing. actually um, I I recently uh, uh, had to be in Guelph and ended up uh, going for a ride with Matt, Katie, who uh, who. And the uh, the BT seven hundred, and we rode right by that spot. And I said, "Hey, 
you know, I remember riding into the bush there. He says, well, I, I took that part out. He says, not everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. and for us, for us, it was the very beginning of the trip because we started the trip like 10 kilometers from the end of the trip. Okay. For most people, they're 10 kilometers from the end and they're just beat. And, and then they try go, to go through this gnarly track. And yeah. It was just like, uh, it was just an insult. Uh. So, so he took it out. <laughs> anyway, it was kind of fun because I, we came at it from the other direction. And, uh, um, and, and, and he, yeah. Time for a quick interruption to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventure partners. The Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a raceback since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roamed the Tibetan Plateau, Cheru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Manga in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. I told him that story about the woman standing yeah, there and going past um, all right. So, and that was, uh, that was kind of your first taste into organized bikepacking routes. Yeah. And then I know over the next couple of years or few years, you've planned out your own route. Now, did you write a lot of other organized or pre-planned routes that you then found online in the interim time? Or was it just kind of something no. that said, let's do our own? No, we, we actually started planning our own on the way home from riding the Butter Tart 700. Oh, okay. We had this you know, great experience of riding for a week on Matthew's route and getting into his head <laughs> through uh, through following his device and and having that great experience of of being offered a route through really beautiful country that we were not familiar with at all and would never have ridden in 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 the places that he took us. Mm-hmm. by um by creating his route and so we we had a really great experience following somebody else's route and um on our drive home we uh we said oh you know we've we've ridden so much around ottawa um you know we every spring on the may 24th weekend we would do these three-day weekend trips from from our house and we would ride um we would ride this big triangle and um not always the same triangle mm-hmm. you know <laughs> south one year yeah. and then we go west one year or and, and and east another year and um we we've we've ridden a lot of the Ottawa Valley and we thought well we 
we know um, some fantastic roads and routes and trails, and um, we can we can put a route together that would be uh, really wonderful right? yeah. for somebody um, that is not from Ottawa uh, to be able to come and, and experience great riding around Ottawa. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys chose the name Log Drivers Waltz. Can you tell us about the significance of the name? And how you came about choosing it. I lo- this will be good for a lot of people because most people are not from this region and wouldn't know what it is. <laughs> well, um, it's actually the title of a song. Um, but I'll get to the, about the song later. But the, the, the reason that it's appropriate. So log drivers um, were the, uh, they were the men that uh, pushed the, and uh, the logs that got stuck off of the uh, off the uh, rocks that were being floated down the river. So when when uh, Europeans first, the settlers first came to this this whole Ottawa Valley was covered with uh, mature, amazing stands. A lot of it white pine, um, and um, there was so much white pine that. Uh, they estimated it was going to last 125 years. Uh, it was going to take 125 years to cut it down. They managed to cut it all down in about 25. But yeah, um, Canada, we're the best. We could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it all, you know, it all got like uh, they, they would float it down the rivers, and then they would uh, put it in. Um, uh, they'd put it in ships and, and take it across to England yeah. or wherever. And so there's Canadian white pine all over the place, um, but the log drivers were the ones that were responsible for making sure those logs made it down the river. And so often they, when they were floating down the river, they would get the big log jams. And so the log drivers would run out on these log jams with these pikes and push the logs out. And, uh, you know, very, very dangerous um, uh, occupation. So we do, as Jen said, we do a lot of canoeing and um, on the rivers, like on the Madawaska river, uh, Petawawa river, places like that, you will find by a lot of the rapids, uh, people's names carved in the rocks. Uh, you know, somebody made, uh, you know, carved their friend's name after their friend drowned um, at a particular rapid. There was a lot of people drowned. Anyway, so the log, but the log drivers uh, developed uh, this reputation for being really good dancers because they, they had to run across these logs and not fall in the water. So they were light on their feet. And so and um, well balanced. The, log drivers, the log driver's fault is about that. They're light on their feet, and all the girls in the towns and the villages love to dry, dance with the log drivers. And you know, I was just going to say, so one day we were riding through uh, Lanark somewhere, and um, I, I just I was humming the tune because I I, I I tend to hum things and stuff, and I was humming on it. Oh, that's what this is. It's the log driver's waltz. Nice. So <laughs> that's what it was. It was just like. Okay, that's what we're going to call it. Nice. And did you guys design your own logo or somebody kind of helped you come up with that? Our daughter uh, designed Lois, the logo. Lois, Lois. logo. Yeah. yeah, nice. That's really cool. Yeah, she's, uh, she's I think, pretty talented uh, uh, graphic, uh, gra- graphic artist. Hmm. But we actually do have a picture of, uh, of Jen, like Jen did sticker bike up against a tree like that oh okay we took a picture 
<laughs> and I don't know, I can't remember if it was before or after we designed the logo, but no, I, no, it was it was before it, yeah. uh, we we had that uh, in mind. It, it was a great big white pine, mm-hmm. and I stuck my bike oh, cute. Uh, up against it, and um, it's uh, it, it's just a there's you can play around a lot with log drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the log driver's waltz theme. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a yeah, lovely yeah. thing. And the whole story in the song, the, uh, I mean, even I grew up listening to that song, you know, seeing that little yeah. um, Canadian history cartoon thing that would come on the commercials. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Nas- National Film Board made such a marvelous film. The, yeah. And then the other thing is that um, um, one of the things that we became quite aware of was because we were concentrating on the log driving, which was the extraction of the wood, um, the settlers history of the region um, started. It it didn't take too long to realize that, wow, that's, um, you know, pretty colonial. (laughs) It's a, it's a very colonial uh, way of looking at things. And um, so, uh, so we, we, we did reach out um, and uh, spoke to an elder from uh, Kittigan ZB about it. And, uh, so he helped us with a land recognition, which we thought was very important to have because, yes, the roads that we ride are all from logging and farming and whatnot, but the, the land is never, never ceded, never given away. It's still the traditional lands. Of, yeah, so we thought it was very important to to recognize that. Yeah, and I and I think that's one beautiful thing about bikepacking is as a sport or as a community is I see a lot more of that and I hear about a lot more of it within the community and the organizers of different rides. They're they're seeking that approval from, you know, whether it's down in Texas or Arizona and the tribes around there or up here, there's that that bond with nature because of the essence of bikepacking and, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on. Um, so your route goes on both sides of the border. Tell us about it. Why? I guess part of that is like you mentioned Pontiac and Renfrew County. Um, is there more to it? Yeah. Well, it, um, we wanted to create a route that went around Ottawa. And um, so um, we were, lucky enough to live in the nation's capital that borders on Quebec. And there's beautiful, beautiful riding south of Ottawa, and there's beautiful riding north uh, of, of, uh, of Ottawa. And uh, so we took, we took a very circuitous route uh, through some of the most beautiful routes that we could stitch together, um, taking people south south of ottawa through lanark county and uh frontenac and and renfrew county and then up north uh crossing over the ottawa river and and riding in in through the the pontiac and um la peche and and Mm -hmm. uh gatineau um yeah and i think it's well it's it just seemed natural I, I, I suppose um, in uh, our, I guess 
the two years leading up to when we designed the route, um, we had done uh, rides that uh, um, where we had gone from Shawville over to uh, Casabazua and over the uh, um, uh, over the Transuda Way and and home, um, like these three three four day rides. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it was just uh, we were just. Uh, um, getting much, much more familiar with uh, that kind of thing that joined the Gatineau, which we kind of used to ride up and down quite a bit, and uh, Ottawa, which we used to ride up and down quite a bit. And then we started driving, riding across and went, ah, yes, okay, this is why, you know. And, mm-hmm. and there's some fantastic stuff in there. Um, there was one road that we went on, and I checked on the Strava heat map, and nobody had ridden on it. It's on the route. Everybody's riding on it now, I guess. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So about the route, you said you mentioned like some of the counties it goes through. What are some of the things people could expect to see? So like why should people come all the way to Ottawa? Other than the fact that Ottawa is awesome and you're missing out if you don't come to this part of the country. Uh, What are some of the things people, you know, can hope to see? Well, it's, it's, I, I, there's, there's a lot of, uh, um, variety. People can really expect to see huge, uh, differences in the landscape from one, um, one day to the next. Um, and it, uh, you know, the geography south of the city, uh, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, farming and, um, it's very, flat. very rural and, and relatively flat riding, riding down to Charbot Lake. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, we, we tried to uh, include uh, communities where people could, could uh, find food and, and accommodation to the extent possible, but um, really take people in extremely rural and remote areas that are um, relatively close to Ottawa. The, the route doesn't go uh, further than 120 kilometers from, from, from Ottawa. So okay. it's all within uh, almost a hundred kilometer radius and uh, it's, it's rural. So people can expect pretty um, uh, rural and remote uh, areas and um, you can, they can expect a lot of change in terrain. Um, and a lot of history. I, I, I would say, um, if you, uh, as you're as you're riding along, you you often see on on the map or uh, even a signpost, and it will be, you know, flower station. But I went there's there. nothing there right now. There's, yeah. you know, right now flower station is a road and an old rail trail intersecting. Yeah. But uh, you know. 100 years ago it was bustling you know there were farm families there was it was mining there was logging it was you know it was it was part of a it was on a railway that was uh, um you know um going up from kingston and um so you know you, you can use your imagination and go like oh man like what were people doing up here and split rail fences i have this thing about split rail fences I don't know if you've seen my bike on split rail fences. Tell, uh, tell us what a split rail fence is. What's with the split tell, rail fence? Tell us what one is in case people don't know. Oh, so 
Um, in a lot of places in Lanark, the, uh, the the soil is so thin they can't even put fence posts in, mm. and so they uh, they make they, the 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 um, settlers made these kind of tripods out of um, three logs. Well, I guess that's what a tripod would be. Mm-hmm. A lot of cedar grows in yeah. Lanark County. Yeah, and then they would mm-hmm. um, they would take cedar trees and they'd split them long lengthwise and and wire them to these tripods and mm-hmm. make make these these fences and um even just it wasn't last week and weekend before we were we were um going on this uh unmaintained section of route and there was this piece of fence running through the woods and you you know you know that it's pre-confederation you know i mean and and it's just so wild and 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 you just go wow this is a forest so and there's a Somebody, somebody at one point cleared all of this and tried to farm on it, and now they're so not those there. split rail I mean, fences typically are dating back quite far, huh? Typically, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, you you see some modern ones, but typically they're they're the really really yeah, old. They're made of cedar. They won't rot. Yeah. They just kind of sit there forever. Yeah, yeah. I so I really like I like that um, barns, old buildings. Um, uh, you know, uh, the dam going over the Chinot Dam, mm, nice uh, you know, crossing the Ottawa River, crossing the Pogan Dam, going over the Gatineau River, mm-hmm. covered bridges, uh, good, good food in a lot of places, you know, like, um, in, you know, I say good food, it's probably not healthy for you, but like when you're bike packing you're biking, hey, and you're hungry, it? you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you would have called I thought you would have called the route the puts in route or something, you know, since butter tart seven hundred puts in eight hundred. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, we were going for something a little bit more um picturesque. Uh, yeah, a big plate of puts in doesn't quite <laughs> Yeah. And the the other thing is uh really um a lot of forest roads. Um beautiful forest roads that um, whether it's through the, the hardwoods with, with the canopy just coming right oh, over the, that. over the, 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 the road itself or uh, uh, through, <clears throat> through the pine forests uh, and conifers mm-hmm. of uh, Frontenac it, it, really beautiful um, back roads that have just, Great hills up and down, and and uh, some gorgeous climbs up to give you views of um, the you know Madawaska Valley and um, uh, <clears throat> ups and downs for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over and the other thing too is the is riding through the Gatineau Park. Awesome. Um, so we start going to the Gatineau Park and, and right at Wakefield and come out of it at the bottom and. Uh, I forget if it's 80 or 90 K it's not straight. Um, but, uh, we like you, you live right beside Actually, it. We, I, we, I rode your whole section the other day from, uh, through the whole gap. Well, except for the down part from Chelsea. So starting in Chelsea, I, I rode, which is, um, it's something I've ridden quite a lot. I spent quite a bit of time in the Gatineau park. So I knew a lot of it. Yeah. I saw your other track actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, and then I took it all the way up to Wakefield and I thought, I told my wife, I said, I'll be home by eight. And I got home right at eight o'clock, which is our curfew in Quebec, right? 
and uh, and then just zoomed down the rail trail from Wakefield home, and that was my the ending, and it was a nice way to cool off. And yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, we figured that um, particularly for people that were um, coming from outside of Ottawa, um, it would be really really cool to bring them through the park and then through through uh, through Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And the there's um the views off of the escarpment. Yeah. Uh, after you've climbed up from Meech Lake, you go up McCloskey's, get onto uh, Ridge Road, uh, and there's a bench you can sit on. Yep. And look out. And you put the, the little loop in. I saw that little loop right at that viewpoint. Uh, I forget what the name of it is. Um, just before. Uh, oh man, how's my mind not working? But anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Etienne Brule is it? Is it Etienne Brule loop viewpoint? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we because um, um, the there was construction on the um, on, on the Champlain, yeah. Like and so we we uh, we we really wanted people to get that lookout. So we made it go up and rode oh, right around the. Well, you know, I've gone up that trail so many times and never even knew that if I would have just gone straight like 200 meters later, I'd be at the lookout. I had no idea. Cause I, I'm not really like, yeah, if I, if I really stare at the GPS, I figured out, but I just kind of go <laughs> and I've ridden trail yeah. one a lot, uh, in the past, but I never knew that when you get up that way or up trail, th- trail three, I guess, um, you eventually yeah. get to there. And if I'd have just gone straight a little bit, it's like, Oh, there's the lookout. <laughs> that, that was, that was, uh, and you'll probably say, oh, we're going to get to this later. But that was one of the things about uh, uh, putting together a route uh, that we found so exciting was mm-hmm. what are other people going to see? And like, okay, it's one thing to go out and ride something for yourself. But when you're thinking, okay, I actually want to frame this vista. I want I want people to climb up here so that when they come around this corner, they're going to see this, or I hope they will mm-hmm. see this. Or, um, uh, you know, so it's things like we could have gone down River Road on the Gatineau, yeah. but we went up on the hill. Um, yeah. And Mount, I think it's called Mountain. There's lots of mountain roads, but I think it was called Mountain Road. And we went up so that you you end up getting these, these, these great views across the valley. You know, you really see, oh, this is the Gatineau Valley. It's not like, because if you're in the bottom of the valley, you don't see that the mm-hmm. valley. If you're on top of the hill, you see that's a valley. And um, it, it's things like that, you know, like that made it really exciting to do. What what level of experience um, do you think is necessary for people to take this route on? So um, in, in essence, um, what kind of time frame too would the average rider expect to finish it in? I don't think there's an average rider. There's <laughs> not in this not in this call. <laughs> in, <laughs> um, there, there's every kind of rider, and I think that the log drivers' walls um, bikepacking route can be ridden um, in in so many different ways. And for us, um, when we rode it. Uh, um, you know, for the first time in, in one go, um, we, we took nine days and it was, it was a, it was like a canoe trip. (laughs) So it's, it's, uh, definitely, uh, there's, there's a range, um, 
Well, I think it's it's kind of like um, it's a it's a bimodal basically. I think there's people that are going to um, generally take uh, a week or seven days or eight days, nine days, whatever. And then there's people that are going to go and say, "Well, I saw some guy did it in three and a half days, and I think maybe I could do it faster than him." And do uh, I don't know anybody like that. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I actually was telling somebody this the other day and then I realized, well, actually, no, I've got a friend who says he wants to do it in five days. So he's right in the middle. So, um, and some people might take two weeks or longer. Yeah. 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 The the one thing that I would say is that there's a couple of places where you're, um, you're away from services for Mm, over a hundred kilometers. And so you need to be, uh, you need to be quite self-sufficient or the ability to either, you know, ride from Charlotte Lake to Calabogie. I was going to say Charlotte Lake to Calabogie. I know there's not much. And I see your trail. Like you guys didn't stick to the KMP. Um, no, so, so I was no. going to ask you is how you, how did you choose those roads that seemingly go nowhere and what, what makes them special? And I assume that that's that hundred K you're talking about. That's uh, yeah. 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 The, the, the rail trails are fantastic. Um, you know, they're, they're a wonderful place to bike, but, um, if you spend uh, too much time on them there, they can be, uh, static. Monotonous. Um, there's a lot more They're they're, um, through beautiful country and, uh, there's, um, there's a lot of variety, um, to be found in, in Mm -hmm. the roads, um, that, that, uh, we've, we've, uh, taken, the rider off of the rail trail. Yeah. And I rode the KMP not too long ago and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to riding your section that you guys have winded it in and out because the KMP was, it's pretty bad condition for rail trail compared to the, the loveliness of the uh, Ottawa Valley rail trail and the, the Cataraki. Those are really nice for the most part. And the KMP is a brutal, muddy, slippery, like. And they fixed it up. That's, that's improved. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a- ATVs have uh, they destroy yeah, yeah. It, done a job on it. The 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 the, the, the thing about um, going off the, the the road is you do have variety, so you're not always in the same position. You're 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 going up and down, and as I say, you're you're coming around the corner and seeing these these old log buildings, and mm-hmm. uh, um, also uh, the rail trails. I mean, the you know nowadays. Anything that is matters to a cyclist is, uh, in terms of services, is attached to the roads, not the old railways. That's right. So, um, so if you are attached to the roads, you're going to find services. Um, so that that that's an that's a well, not the roads. A lot of the roads we go on don't have services. <laughs> in case of emergency, do not dial nine one one. Yeah, yeah. So in case of emergency, good point. No. Uh, no cell service in, in a lot of that section and uh, um, up around the um, Transuda Way too. There's places yeah. where you don't have cell service. Yeah. So well, there's places so just in Gatineau be- Park where I don't have self service. Yeah. 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 So uh, you need to be um, you need to be resilient or <laughs> a good you know you need to be confident. Right. Um, and if you're not confident, take a spot. <laughs> or even if you are, 
And especially if you're traveling alone, I would think you'd want to take a spot. And also just communicate with people. So make sure your loved ones know where yeah. you're going to be without cell service. Tom, I'm going to call you and message you before I go into this area, perhaps. Yeah. And then, you know, I should be out of it within a few hours. But if you don't hear from me in 24 hours, like, come looking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I wanted to ask what percentage or roughly percentages would you say are paved versus gravel versus um, single or double track? Yeah, we've, we've tried to, so uh, hard, <laughs> there's no easy way to, um, to, to calculate um, or to, to really um, map out exactly what sections are paved. Um, the majority, vast, vast majority um, probably, uh, w- probably 90% <laughs> or, um, close to that, uh, is, uh, is gravel or, um, or trail. Okay. Um, we really have included, um, it, we, we, we've minimized the time on, on, uh, paved roads, um, and, especially you know we've, we've worked really really hard to avoid uh any busy um there, there are a couple of paved sections of busier highways but mm-hmm. they're very short yeah i think when you first cross that bridge you'd have the 148 around there and you'd have to like navigate away from that right or not the bridge sorry the dam what are some of the physically demanding sections? I mean, I assume the Gatineau Park is perhaps the most physically demanding, like, I mean, technical. Yeah, it's, I'd say that's... Uh, Trail 36 is yeah. probably the... Is that place. the one coming on the north side of Meech Lake, northeast? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. That's uh, And it's hard on a gravel bike. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that sort of brings up the, the point, like, that's one of the reasons that we would recommend, like, larger tires, like two 2.1 inch tires mm-hmm. as opposed to uh you know 40 or whatever you have on your gravel bike yeah i have 40s uh, on mine i have 45s as well they're not on it right now and i was toying with the idea is like well do i put 45s or i mean i know i can do the gatineau section when i ride your route do i i can do it with 40s and then have a little bit easier faster time on the rest there's a lot of other sections that are pretty rough though yeah um yeah, yeah. So if you um, the the through um, the North Franac Islands, yeah, there's there are ATV um, trails and they're they're quite uh, yeah they can get pretty messy rocky. Yeah, you get yeah. the big rocky. rocks that are like the size of a fist, right? That just kind of stick yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Some, some of those, and so that that section is pretty rough. Um, there's you know, a section of logging road or unmaintained road between uh, Shawville and Ladysmith. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, that said, and- we used to ride this, a lot of this similar stuff on, as I said, I was sort of joking, but we thought 28C tires were big because yeah. we were going from like 23s road, right? or 21s so, maybe even at oh, that time. <laughs> and we wrote, you know, what do you say, sir? I said maybe 21C tires back in those. Like 23 was like <laughs> yeah, well, 10 years yeah. ago, 23s, everybody was riding 23s. But I know 20 years ago, maybe everybody was riding 21s because skinnier is faster. Yeah. 19. 19s. 19s. Wow. 19s. My, my, uh, my bike had 19C tires. That was nuts. <laughs> yeah. And the, the conditions change um, 
it, you know, you never know when there's going to be a grader that comes by mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the load of fresh gravel can be, uh, soften everything uh, up and make it hard to steer through. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, uh, there's some really sandy sections and we rode, uh, in, in the rain and it was just like sucking every bit of energy out, out of your yeah, and, even, more, even and morale too. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that was actually, that was a, a brutal afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 10 years worth of wear. Just so for people that might not be looking for the the hardest parts or wanting to avoid the hardest parts, is there a way for them to to skip around them? And is there anything marked on your route, like a, as an info saying, "Hey, if you don't want to hit this hard section, go this way." There's a couple of places where uh, you could kind of take a shortcut back to Ottawa, um, but um, there's not a lot of. I mean, there's not a lot of that. Um, I mean, I, I would say if somebody doesn't want to do the hard parts of the route or they want to do something that's not as hard or mm-hmm. difficult or as much of a commitment, I've started to put up some uh, shorter routes Build up that were skills. kind of stepping stones. Because mm, okay. one of the things that uh, we noticed, was, well, noticed, we heard from our friends, like, oh, I really like your route, but... I, I don't know if I want to go for 800 kilometers. Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys are crazy. Um, and, and so, uh, the, the, you know, I made a route that goes up through Quion over Erdley and through the Gatineau park and then back on the, the, um, a route there, uh, or the, the community trail. And so I'd say that something doing something like that, as opposed to, trying to shorten the log driver's walls would mm-hmm. be better because it's it's kind of designed to be the way it is. Yeah. And then if you like that then go, go for it. it. Yeah. Okay. Good. I like that. And those shorter those shorter routes are uh, generally not as rough. Yeah. And I do believe I know the answer to this next question, but is it possible to do this without a GPS device for people out there that might be wondering? I wouldn't recommend uh, I don't I don't think you could <laughs> I, I don't think you could. If you guys could see the look on his face when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, now, just, I'm we, just thinking. We were, we were wondering that when we were doing the, the Butter Tart 700, um, riding that, riding with a GPS for the first time. When, and we realized that um, it's really much, huh? it, it's, it, it's just not possible because the, 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 uh, the roots are like it's, it's they're not straight lines and it's not an a to b uh kind of um bike trip mm-hmm. it's uh, 800 kilometers very circuitously making your way around ottawa um there's not a lot of signs <clears throat> on some of these roads like it's not yeah. like they're signposted yeah or, or maybe they're signposted as um uh from 1863. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, actually, a really good example is that we did um, uh, we we did a lot of riding from uh, from Renfrew or close to Renfrew, a lake near Renfrew, where there was a family cottage, and Jen and I did uh, quite a bit of riding that went down um, through North 
Frontenac Highlands and then, you know, in around there. But we used, we were doing it dead reckoning using maps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is several years ago now. And we would end up in the weirdest places just by, you know, you, because you, because not all those little trails are on any map that you can find. And so, um, and that's before we discovered the back roads atlas which has like a lot of mm. stuff in it i don't know if you've seen that never heard but, of it uh, okay oh it's a fantastic yeah. <laughs> there isn't one unfortunately there isn't one for quebec but I'm google it right now so don't forget the yeah. back roads atlas of uh, ontario there's there there are um they're regional they're 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 a, a book of you know, about a hundred pages of, of maps, Ontario super detailed maps yeah. of uh, well, Eastern, Eastern Ontario. Are they um, like the, they're they ye- have, like a yellow cover top and bottom type thing? Mapart.com map maybe? Yeah, that's, it's Mapart. Okay. I think they're up to uh, edition number six now. But, but the thing was, what I was saying is like when we were riding through there, like we would, um, you know, we'd go back the next year and somebody pushed another ATV trail through somewhere and, uh, and it d- didn't even look the same, you know, like, uh, and, uh, where we, where you come out through there now, when we first went there, it really was like one or two people had driven an ATV trail, an ATV down this trail. And it was kind of mucky. Now it's more or less a road. Okay. Um, but we used, we used those maps a lot for exploring, uh, possible, roads so they show everything so they sometimes they're on private property okay but we never so we don't go there so all the roads we've used are public they're all public yeah let me ask you uh this might be a redundant question or obvious um what was most important to you when developing the route um was it more like the type of road communities or terrain or kind of everything most important was to um get off of the off of pavement <laughs> yeah okay anything but pavement yeah. nice um yeah. and and also the communities are really important because um we we, we know that cyclists spend money in communities mm-hmm. and um it's it's a nice way of injecting a little bit of cash into um into the communities along the way. Especially now uh, with COVID, I think like this might just be something that, you know, people will cycle, people will get, you know, um, out there exercising. And if they go to some of these places, they, they could be putting money into the takeout food, taking food out from yeah. the restaurant and sitting outside and, you know, helping out. We have a couple of little favorite places that uh, we had in, uh, in Shawville when we were, went through there a couple times last year and, and we would get takeout and, we stayed in the Mill Dam Park, which is this great little um, park that the Kiwanis put up, and uh, then they they collect money, but by donation. And uh, so, you know, we had you know breakfast and lunch and or no breakfast and supper there, and uh, um, yeah, you know that you're maybe helping a little bit. Plus, you're getting some pretty darn good food. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the guy at the shawarma place was really, really nice because one day I told him, I said, we just rode from Ladysmith. It was dark. <laughs> we rode in the dark because there was nothing. There was, what we town were, was this in? 
uh, Shawville. In Shawville, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And we'd done this route through the Zach and come down through Otter Lake, and there, there was no place to eat in Otter Lake. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know, it's 50K or something. Anyway, and it was starting to get dark then, so we just rode straight down there and we got there and i said you know we just rode 50k to eat your shawarma <laughs> he just gave us about double <laughs> it was great <laughs> super friendly though right like you know yeah like, um so that's, that's one of the things okay so you were asking about what do people you know, what will they see i mean most people are incredibly friendly like you know it's really nice we've had some really nice conversations with people um doing this route um and and because jen's got family connections like she'll start talking to somebody and then it turns out that her grandfather who used to be the doctor in shawville like this is we're going back you know a hundred years now (laughs) but no not quite yeah he probably started his practice a hundred years ago but it turns out so we're talking to um mrs bretzlaff of bretzlaff's store in in ladysmith Mm -hmm. and she goes Oh yeah, I think your grandfather delivered my husband, and her husband is like eighty. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> you just so you know you see these really wonderful sort of connections, yeah. and I, I mean, you don't have to be from here to 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 make connections with people. No, that's true. I mean, you do you are keeping records of the fastest times and stuff. I mean, you must not like people that are doing fastest known times because we're not putting as much money into the communities, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Like, I, I want to race it, and I, I know that I eat probably twice as much as anybody else when I'm ra- riding yeah. that hard. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and uh, you don't spend a lot of time uh, humming and hawing about it, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which... You're not looking for the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I mean, uh, I, I, I think that uh, um, it, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what happens um but i've been asking people to sign up but there's a little plug but if people are thinking about doing yeah, it oh, we're going to talk about that yeah so go ahead you know to sign up for uh um because we can't have a grand depart because of covid we didn't feel we we decided a long time ago we're not going to do that uh for this year uh but come next year yes um fingers crossed um so i I thought about petit departs, which are little departs, and mm-hmm. you can do your petit depart by yourself. But and, but the thing is that by signing up, you're part of something. And um, so, and I also ask people to uh, say, you know, how are they planning to go in a relaxed manner or go fast? Mm-hmm. And that's how I know that it's like basically two, <laughs> two, two, two groups. Um. I think we're happy that anybody wants to ride it. Um, oh, it's exciting to uh, <laughs> just, to, yeah. to to see the, uh, the the times. We were so excited when um, people started to ride it. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> what was that like when you found out when somebody actually rode it first? Was it a friend or just a random stranger? Random. The people that. Well, uh, it was it was actually quite funny because by accident the map got left on public. Oh, I think you told and, me that when we talked on the phone once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it was being developed before so, it before it went fully public. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so on Facebook, all of a sudden, Michelle Collette writes, well, I just wrote this route called The Log Driver's Waltz. And I went, first of all, it's like, wait, how did you do You're that? Like, did somebody then, steal my route? Oh, no. <laughs> and then, but then, then it was just like, holy cow, sort of, those words. Somebody wrote our route and they liked it. <laughs> we had a rider fly from, uh, from Victoria to come and ride it last summer. And it was so thrilling to uh, uh, to have somebody come from afar to, so to cool. ride our route. In. And it I was, believe you didn't tell me there's somebody was, I, I, don't, I presume she's not coming now, was supposed to come in May, right? To ride the route as well, if, uh, a woman from Vancouver or something. Uh, she said she's going to come back. She didn't give a time frame. Okay, yeah. She, she said she would really like to come back and, Bring some friends. Oh, and, nice! Uh, yeah, well, I, I can, em- I can, I, I can empathize with you guys, and I, I understand exactly how you feel because I remember when I started this podcast. Literally, I forget one day, like a couple weeks after it was out, or even a month. I mean, it was a real slow process to grow, right? Like, because just the word of mouth, and by the time people find out about things, and I was like, "Sima, holy shit, I've got fifty downloads!" <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> at that time, I'm like, "Oh, now I'm like 50. Like, what is that?" But like at the time, I was like, "Wow." 50 people have actually downloaded my podcast. How insane <laughs> is that? And now it's like, you know, 75,000 or something. Like it's, it's, a, it's, wow. a, it's a massively different number. And that's two and a half years. So, Congratulations. Uh, that's yeah. great. I, I know that's, I know that's uh, the result of a lot of hard work. Um, yeah. I, I think I've talked about it before with the time on the podcast and I realized I was really wrong at how much I estimated I spent editing. Cause I think I did an episode the other day and I was in front of the computer for five, six hours more, you know? So it's just, then I even say on the yeah. podcast, it's, it's an extremely big amount of money, uh, amount of money, a big amount of time. And, yeah. and as you know, having organized a route, like the amount of hours you spend sitting there clicking and dragging uh, <laughs> ride with GPS to check to see if there's a store to click it and that is at a point of interest and then click another place that might be and then you know make a mental note somewhere else where's a good place to camp like it's just it's it's yeah. it's really mind-boggling how many how much time goes into it yeah there are a thousand points of interest on uh, more than a thousand points of interest on the log driver's waltz that wow. have been researched and uh in- included um it won't load on your gps actually you have okay. to you have to load the other one download one download one to your phone if you're a pro subscriber yeah. and yeah um i was actually going to say and this is sort of a little plug about like you were talking about um uh you get downloads and whatnot mm-hmm. i started an instagram um for the log driver's Good. Well. yeah and um i've not been on instagram really uh I had a little, I have my own personal account, but it's just like a few friends. But I, I was, um, the, the reason I think it's important is not, not for fame and fortune, but yeah, for um, sure. it's where I um, can publish out, okay, here's, uh, you know, an update. Um, so there's the Facebook group and there's mm-hmm. that, uh, sorry, the Facebook page and, and the Instagram. So, I mean, I'd really encourage anybody that's, uh, that's interested in the route to follow on the Instagram. I, I would um, say uh, follow the Instagram account. One really cool thing you could do is at that lookout when people ride that roundabout is to take a selfie with their bike and post it on your Instagram, you know? So just kind of show yeah. where you are on the ride. And so people can see other people, you know, post and tag. 
Yeah. Yeah. We sort of we we had we had sort of um, uh, there's there's a there's a log driver's wall a log driver's uh, uh, historical plaque down in opposite the Parliament buildings. Oh, okay. Which we thought might be a but it, yeah maybe maybe being up on top of the lookout would be. Or one of the many vistas. I mean, there's a lot of different looking. Yeah, yeah. Any, any yeah. Vista, yeah. One, you yeah, can no, put your bike sure. on the bench and stand in front of the bike so it's higher up or something. You don't have to lift it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's what I'm, that's what I really want. Like, I think we would really like to see is, is when people start doing it, like what they're seeing. Um, on on um, on the website, um, this this fellow Jim, he made a, uh, he made a video. Of, of his ride and uh, and he said yeah you can put it up on the website so we'll oh, okay it up there. i'll check that out and uh it um it once you've ridden the route especially you'll you you go oh yeah he, he <laughs> made it for himself yeah yeah he, he really made it as a, a personal like a, a a photo album and uh and he he said it you know you might find is, it long <laughs> <laughs> it he made it really for himself and and uh so, but we we really totally enjoyed watching mm, cool. it because it took it to like it takes somebody, you around the route. Somebody else's experience of it. Yeah, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to ride the log drivers now. I think in July sometime. I'm gonna plan for uh-huh. it. Right. Yeah. And it, and July, you know, it could be it could be super nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bugs will be primarily done. So. That's true. Hopefully, fingers crossed. It's not yeah. your can- canoeing yeah. trip here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was in early July. That was early July, so it was almost late June. So oh, okay. Was, yeah, I think it was uh, pretty, pretty wet still. It was just a really wet year. Yeah. I don't think we've got a really wet year. Any other information that might be important for people to consider if they're planning to come ride this? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things is that um, you know uh, the roads are are and the and and uh, the trails. Uh, they're not static and uh, you know there there are people uh, deciding that or you know uh, doing upgrades or uh, fixing a dam or a bridge or or whatnot and so you can encounter things that you don't expect to mm-hmm. to, uh, to find so I, I think one thing would be um, yeah you, you still need to know how to navigate even if you're following a route yeah I would say that would be important. Yeah, or at least be able to like if find yourself if you need to like figure out a location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I think I think it's also well. I, I sort of that's sort of a roundabout way of saying like road conditions and uh, trail conditions change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important that everybody knows what their ability is, and you know, it's just like just because. Siri or somebody is telling you to turn left or turn right. You you still have to like pay attention to where you are, and 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 know that like well you could get somewhere and it's not what you expected. That's and you a valid have point. To change your point. And and um, uh, we're very excited about how how much interest there is uh, already, um, and. We imagine that uh, bikepacking seems to be growing very quickly, and um, we we really think that uh, there's there's a lot of scope for the log drivers walls mm-hmm. to to uh, develop into um, something that 
that uh, a, a lot of people uh, come to ride and, and we're excited to see uh, what kind of experiences uh, people have with it. And um, we have plans to um, develop more of these um, routes that sort of spin off of, mm-hmm. of the, the log driver's waltz uh, uh, route itself. And um, uh, like little add-ons uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like, I know the hasty Highlander has like little sections you can add on. If you want to add on extra couple hundred kilometers, you do this, if you want to do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I'm a geographer and I, I mm-hmm. love maps and, um, I'm thinking that uh, a paper map um, to accompany the the GPS would be really fun to have mm. um, as a planning tool and a, and a way to uh, um, to share the experience. Yeah, with other like a little commemorative thing you can buy. Uh, yeah, it, uh, a way to um, way to like a lot of people don't really know what a bike bikepacking route is mm. and. Um, a paper map could could really uh, tell a lot. That's a good point. Yeah. Sweet. Anything else? Yeah, I want to. I was just I was just thinking when John was talking is that uh, we'd still like we'd like to hear from people if they if they do it. Like, there's a contact us on the uh, mm-hmm. on the on the web page website, and so that's one way. Or I don't know, Instagram message or whatever. I, I it's just. Uh, for us, that's feedback, like, uh, or, or um, you know, there's an excitement factor. Like, I remember listening to the podcast you did with Carl, and you guys discovered the bike, the, the, the log driver's waltz together, sort of, uh, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And when you started talking about it, and I went, holy cow, this is so cool, you know. And now, oh, yeah, now, I never even thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. we both kind of heard about it and we started talking about it. And then you must be sitting there going like, oh, my God, they're talking about my route. That's kind of cool. Like, yeah. yeah, I was I was I was I was listening to the podcast and all of a sudden you're talking about the log driver's walk. And I went, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, just people, if you know, it, it's people don't have to. Obviously, there's no and, and uh, you know, this it's a personal experience. And if people don't want to contact us, obviously, they don't have to. But uh, it is kind of neat. Uh, to to have that connection, and um, and and it does make everything seem worthwhile. Like it's the same with the podcast. When somebody sends me an email, and it's just like, "Hey, man, I've been listening to your podcast for all." Even like the one you sent me, and then I I put two and two together too. I'm like, "Oh, this is the guy that made the log driver's waltz," and he sent me a likely an, I like your podcast email. That's really awesome. Like it motivates <laughs> you. It keeps you pumped to to put more energy and effort into it and keep going because yeah. sometimes it. You know, you have your highs and lows, and when you get into your lows, it can feel like, "Why are we doing this? We've been working so hard, and is it worth right. it?" And well, the funny, the funny thing is that um, you just talk about like meeting people, making connections. Is uh, um, we rode the BT seven hundred, never met Matthew. Uh, we developed the route, and Matthew helped us with it. Right, like he was there, pushing us along and telling us how to do it, and giving suggestions and physically or technologically doing some things. And, and, uh, I'd never met him until about a month ago. Oh, when you went cycling in Guelph. Yeah. Nice. And so we went for this ride and we just went for this little ride, you know, maybe, I don't know, it was like 70 K or something. And 
just chatted. I was so hoarse by the end of this ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I still have so many things to talk to him about, but it was just like, man, I've, I've known you for like, it seems like forever now and I've, we've never met, you know, but so I think that um, the, the, it's an opportunity to meet people like we've met you, we've mm-hmm. met Carl, um, um, you know, other people that have contacted us, uh, you know, just asking questions. But we you know, haven't like, met met. <laughs> Yes, yes that's true. Can <laughs> I take my e-bike on it? Yeah. The answer is I wouldn't suggest taking an e-bike because you, you may run out of juice mm-hmm. and, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing about connections is connections in the communities and, yeah. um, and, and along the way. And, and we hope to um, over time develop, um, de- develop an awareness of the route in the communities that it, the route goes through. Um, we might even make up posters that um, will we will uh, distribute. Uh, try to get uh, uh, merchants and, and the stores to to post. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyclists welcome. <laughs> uh, so that um, it it uh, it builds um, a presence in in the communities and. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, off in the future, it might be, uh, we, we, we hope to have connections along the way and, and, and um, trail angels and. Um, uh, oh, yeah. We could, can we talk about that? You yeah. can talk about trail angels. That, yeah. That was something new to me when you mentioned that. Yeah. In the, in the, just in the last uh, week, two people have talked, well, communicated with two people who offered to uh, um, have people camp on their land. Um, uh, as you know, as a, an alternate place to uh, say stealth camping somewhere or uh, um, a campsite in a commercial place or staying in a hotel. I mean, so if there's anybody out there in, in podcast land who lives near the route, I, I was going to tell you that I was, I was, I had read your thing and I had thought about it and messaging you and saying, yeah, there's definitely space on my property. Um, I have some really good swamp land down below the back of the house. That's <laughs> no. There's, a, there's definitely a, there's definitely a spot there for anybody riding the route. And, um, Matt yeah. Katie had told me he wanted to come ride your route this summer. And he said, Hey, I might come camp at your house. And I said, cool, man, there's a, there's a warm meal in it for you. Can't yeah. promise that warm meal to every single person that comes by, but if you definitely, uh, <laughs> there might be, who knows if I'm home, if not, there's the yeah. chickens in the coop and there's eggs there. So you can have yourself a nice breakfast. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, so um, yeah. So basically, what it would be is uh, we'd put your not your exact location, but uh, a tent near your location and your email. And then, if uh, people contacted you and you were home and it was right, the right timing, then you you might be able to host them. Oh, cool. So, um, but um, we wouldn't put like. I would never put a point of interest like for that, like exactly where it was, because mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair to you to have all of a sudden have like four, four sweaty people show up at, at 7.30 in the evening saying, oh, we're going to stay with you tonight. And <laughs> <laughs> Come on in, kids. So yeah, yeah. But um, no, but uh, uh, so, yeah, so great. I'll, I, I actually have your information now and I know yeah. where you live, so Perfect. I can put it down. But uh, yeah, Just put the tent uh, right over your cabin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, the, um, yeah. So if anybody's out there and they hear about this, uh, that, that we would love to hear from, uh, from anybody that awesome. has, yeah. 
And it could, it could be something as simple as water. Like, yeah, oh, definitely, you know, right? Got, just got a water tap. To know um, that somebody's not going to mind if you're outside yeah. their house filling up a bottle of water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the, 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 the one, of these, uh, one of these two people that started off with, I've got water. Oh, but somebody could camp there too, you know? Nice. <laughs> it's like, yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Um, where can people find you guys? I think the simplest is logdriverswaltz.ca. Okay. And as well um, as the Instagram, right? Is at the logdriverswaltz. Of course, yeah. So on Instagram, it's the logdriverswaltz. Oh, okay. And the website is the logdriverswaltz. Perfect. It doesn't matter. .com or .ca will go to the same place. Yep. Nice. And, um, well, guys, thank you for being on the podcast. I didn't have any more questions. If there's anything I'm missing, uh, definitely now's your chance. Uh, super nice to meet you over this uh, medium. Yeah, yeah, because I talked to Eric one time and uh, but hadn't seen a face, put a face to the name anyways or to the voice, and uh, now we get to do that. All right, so without any further ado, uh, further adieus, don't hang up, but bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Hey everyone, before we end this podcast, I'd like to tell you about some of Bike Tour Adventures' other amazing partners. I'm very proud to be supported by Brockton Cyclery, a Toronto-based bike shop dedicated to bike touring and bikepacking. Carrying many of the top bike touring and bikepacking brands, I can honestly say that they have helped me to build the most durable and fast bikepacking bike possible. We're also supported by Race Day Fuel. Their mission is to ensure that you consume the very best and appropriate food and beverage for the task at hand. Working with top brands such as Scratch, Noon, and Untapped, they have all your nutrition needs taken care of. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures website. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. In the next day or two, I am leaving to go ride the Log Driver's Waltz. So I will uh, also be doing a ride cast on that in the next week or two once I have a chance to recover and let the thought process go through it and figure out what I would say. So yeah, keep close eye out for that. Next episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast will be with a, a past guest, which was not that long ago, actually, only seven months ago. It just so happened to be that um, they had written a second book. They were going on tour again, and they had asked me if uh, we'd like to introduce it. And I think it's an amazing book. It's called 50 Ways to Cycle the World, and that is with Bellin and Tristan. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's really, really cool concept, kind of a community project. I think uh, you guys will love it. And it is now for sale. I actually have one sitting here on my desk. As I speak, I'm looking at it and already planning out my afternoon of scrolling through the pages and uh, reading some of the interesting stories. That should be up uh, hopefully in the next week and a half, two weeks. All right. On that note, have an awesome day and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. 
If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. <laughs>